Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. Today is Friday, March 4th, 2016. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. This program tonight is going to be titled, The Kingdom of Heaven or the Elections of Man. We are going to begin by presenting a short sermon by Bertrand Compare so that we're all on the same page as far as the kingdom of heaven is concerned. We will make some remarks in reference to Compare's sermon, but then we shall discuss the currently ongoing election season in the United States and how Christians should look at both it and at the possibilities. We shall have Brother Ryan here a little later with us and perhaps some of our other friends and brethren with us for the discussion. See how the time goes. The Kingdom of Heaven or In Heaven by Bertrand Compare. This copy of Compare's sermon was prepared some years ago by Clifton Emmerheiser, who added some critical notes, which we will also present this evening. Perhaps not in the original context Clifton intended them, but we will present them. Disputing the nature of the kingdom of heaven in his sermon, Compare is really disputing with Judaized Christians who have some sort of fantasy vision of the kingdom of heaven as castles in the clouds. There is some dispute in ecclesiastical circles whether the kingdom of Yahweh, so often mentioned by Yahshua, is to be on earth or only in heaven. This is based chiefly on the use, only by Matthew, of the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. Because of this verse, actually it's mentioned many times because of these verses or these phrases, some have argued that the kingdom must only be in heaven, being heaven itself as ruled by Almighty Yahweh. Neither Mark, Luke, nor John refer to the kingdom of heaven but only to the kingdom of God. Even Matthew uses an equivalent phrase, the kingdom of God, four times in chapters 6, 12, and 21. In Matthew chapters 13 and 26, Yahshua speaks of the kingdom of their father in reference to the righteous and my father's kingdom. Both of these phrases obviously being equivalent to the phrase the kingdom of God. There is clearly no distinction between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. So Compare asks, then why were the two phrases used? And he says, these different phrases happened because outwardly pious Jews had first taken the name of Yahweh out of the scriptures, substituting the word Adonai, meaning Lord, this happened in the 7th century BC. At least as early as 200 BC, they had begun to substitute heaven for Yahweh. And I don't really agree with that. I'm going to offer some clarification. Here we must note that actually it can only be proven to have happened that the tetragrammaton representing the name Yahweh was systematically substituted by words for Lord in Greek scriptures and other translations from sometime 
before the close of the first century BC, at least as early as the time of the apostles and before the ministry of Christ began. Josephus attests that by his time, the name of God was forbidden to be spoken. The Dead Sea Scrolls, however, also contained the Tetragrammaton, even in the Greek portions of the writings. They contain the Tetragrammaton instead of the Greek word kurios, which we are accustomed to seeing in the Septuagint. While the usage of heaven as an address for the gods is found among the pagan poets of the Greek and Romans, Compare seems to be conjecturing as to why Matthew used the term. The Greek word for God appears very frequently in the wisdom of Sirach, written around 200 BC. So we can't so just throw a blanket explanation out there that they started substituting the word heaven for the word God. They only substituted the word Adonai, and then in the Greek, the word kurios for the tetragrammaton, or the name of God, which we represent with the, the name Yahweh. Compare says, even today, many Jewish publications won't use the word God, writing it G-D. Funk and Wagnall's New Standard Bible Dictionary says the following, Kingdom of God, usage of terms. A New Testament phrase based upon and expressing in its final form the Old Testament idea of the spiritual rule of God over men. The phrase kingdom of heaven is used in the New Testament by Matthew only and is an exact equivalent of the phrase kingdom of God. The substitution of heaven for God is based on the popular superstitious feeling in later Judaism, which led to the avoidance of the divine names in common speech. And let me say that while the apostles seem to have, using the word kurios, at least from the oldest manuscripts, which don't date for at least a hundred years after the deaths of the apostles, I mean, the oldest manuscripts are esteemed, surviving manuscripts are esteemed to be from the second century A.D. and no earlier, and, and we can't prove that either, really, in, in reality. The apostles seem to have used the word kurios because the religious authorities in Judea did forbid, as Josephus attests, the use of the tetragrammaton in speech, the word that we pronounce as Yahweh. But actually, the Jews retained the tetragrammaton in the Masoretic text. Ancient Jews were never averse to writing the Tetragrammaton in the texts, and the ancient Jews don't seem to be adverse to using the title God. It's only modern Jews that are averse to using the title God, so that can't really be counted and extrapolated backwards and, and projected backwards to the usage of the ancient Judeans. It's not true at all. Compare is right that the people we know of as Jews try their best not to refer to God, and when they have to, they resort to the G-D designation. They don't do it out of piety. They do it out of absolute impiety. Yahweh said that his people shall know his name.
It was evidently under the influence of the Jews, modern Jews, that the Geneva Bible and the King James Version Bible and other later Bibles substituted the words for Lord in the place of the Tetragrammaton, Yahweh, in all but a few places. Compare correctly concludes, however, despite the arguments over the name, he's right about the kingdom, so nothing can be based upon the use of the words kingdom of heaven. Compare has established that references to the kingdom of heaven are equivalent to referring to the kingdom of God, and therefore from scripture, from Old Testament scripture. It can also be proven that the kingdom of heaven is not necessarily a kingdom in heaven. So he continues by asking, but what clues can we find in the Bible? First, Yahweh's throne and kingdom are eternal. The following Bible verses all confirm where the kingdom of Yahweh is. It is on earth. And he cites Psalm 45, verse 6, where it says, Thy throne, O Yahweh, this is a Psalm of David, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And Psalm 145, thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endures throughout all generations. And Compare states that an eternal kingdom on this earth was promised. And we read in 2 Samuel chapter 7, Compare cites verses 12 through 16, and when thy days be fulfilled, Samuel speaking to David, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom, meaning here on earth, forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established before thee, thy throne shall be established forever. Then Compare cites 1 Chronicles, chapters 28 and 29, and two different verses in those chapters. And of all my sons, for Yahweh has given me many sons, the words of David once again, he has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of Yahweh over Israel. Then Solomon sat on the throne of Yahweh as king instead of David, his father, and prospered and all Israel obeyed him. So what Compre is trying to establish is that this kingdom of God is here on earth. And that was the throne upon which the kings of Israel had sat over the kingdom of God here on earth. And it's still here on earth, as we shall see. Compare then cites from Psalm 89 and scattered verses throughout the psalm. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne for all generations. My mercy I will keep for him forevermore. My covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie to David, his seed shall endeavor, endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. And then Compare cites 
Daniel 2.44, where it says, and in the days of these kings, this is Daniel seeing a vision of the future children of Israel from his time. And in the days of these kings, meaning the four great empires that were represented by the beast of Nebuchadnezzar's vision. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. Compare says, we now, we know Solomon never sat on the throne of Yahweh in heaven. We are told in the Bible that Solomon sat on the throne of Yahweh as king. Therefore, Yahweh has an earthly throne as well as a heavenly throne. It is prophesied that Yahshua shall sit upon the throne of the kingdom of Yahweh. It is quite definitely an, early king, an earthly kingdom and an eternal one. And then he cites Revelation chapter 11. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Citing Psalm 47, for Yahweh the Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. For Yahweh is king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Yahweh reigns over all the nations, or all the heathen in the King James Version. This kingdom contains evil people who must be rejected. And are there evil people in heaven? Citing Matthew chapter 11. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The words of Christ. And again from Matthew chapter 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net. Compare is establishing that the kingdom of heaven, which is on earth, contains evil people. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of this age, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Citing Matthew chapter 21, verse 43, the words of Christ, Therefore I say unto you, the, Jude, the Jews, his adversaries in Judea, the kingdom of Yahweh shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. We are told, Compare says, we are told the children of Satan are in the kingdom of heaven and must be expelled. Therefore, he concludes that this kingdom cannot be in heaven. Matthew chapter 13. The explanation of the parable of the wheat and the tares is cited here. He that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. And therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of the kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, 
and Compare has a parenthetical statement there interpreting the word world as order because the planet is not going to end. This kingdom, Compare says, is one where people are material enough to eat and drink. Again, establishing that it can't be in heaven, it must be here on earth that is the place of the kingdom of heaven throughout scripture. Finally, citing Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 26, the words of Christ. I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. That doesn't mean that we or the apostles go to the kingdom to drink the wine. That means that Christ comes here to drink the wine. Finally, citing Luke chapter 22, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father is appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of Yahweh, and it is on earth. It contains both good and wicked people at present. Both good and bad people will be in the kingdom until the second coming of Yahshua. At this time, the angels will cast out the wicked. The kingdom will be here forever, and those in it won't be, won't be merely spirits. They will be real and solid enough to eat and drink earthly meals and earthly wine. It is the kingdom of heaven, but it is not in heaven. And this ends Compare's short sermon. And we have a critical note by Clifton Emmerheiser. And he says, this has to be one of the better presentations Bertrand Compare ever gave. Offhand, I would place it among his top 10. I find little with it with which to disagree, but must to concur. Therefore, I, meaning Clifton, will add some of my own observations. In this lesson, Compare cited Daniel 2.44 thusly, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, meaning those first four kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. If ever Compare turned out a masterpiece, it was his Daniel's Fifth Kingdom sermon, which would also rate among its top ten. For the first four kingdoms of Nebuchadnezzar's dream vision, the futurist interpreters of prophecy use a historical view. Then, without any reason, they suddenly switch to a futurist view, which is hardly consistent. At that point, they skip ahead nearly 2,000 years, and, and now it's, of course, over 2,000 years, and declare that Christ will set up his kingdom then. It was to be Christ's kingdom, all right, but it was the Germanic, Scythian, Israelite tribes that crushed the ten toes, or provinces, of the Roman Empire. Therefore, the German tribes represented the kingdom, which Daniel prophesied would stand forever. That kingdom is already here and has been for centuries. And when Yahshua Christ returns at his second advent, he will be crowned king. That's the Christian hope. Clifton had another critical note for the sermon, which concerns the race of the people who constitute the kingdom of Yahweh. However, we will postpone discussing that to promote another facet of God's kingdom on earth, which Compare alluded to, but did not discuss explicitly. Not only is the kingdom of heaven here on earth, 
But the kingdom of heaven is now. It is now. And in one degree or another, it has always been now. For Christ had told those Pharisees and others in Judea who had opposed him that the kingdom of God is among you, as it is translated in the Christianity and New Testament, where it says in Luke chapter 17, that then being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of Yahweh would come, he replied to them and said, the kingdom of Yahweh does not come along with observation, nor shall they say, behold, it is here or it is there. For behold, the kingdom of Yahweh is among you. The kingdom of God is on earth. And at the time of Christ, it was already among men. That is because the people of God, and especially the children of Israel, are the representatives of the kingdom of God here on earth. They are the substance of the kingdom of God here on earth, and they always have been. As we heard Compare quote the words of Christ, as they are in record as they are recorded in Matthew, he had said to the Judeans, The kingdom of Yahweh shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. But as we have also seen Compare quote from Daniel, the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. The children of Israel constitute the citizenry of the kingdom of Yahweh. In ancient times, they failed to keep the law, which represented the constitution of that ancient kingdom as it is portrayed in the Old Testament. And for that, they were sent off into punishment. The 70 weeks kingdom in Judea was only a remnant stub until the cast off children of Israel were reconciled to Yahweh in Christ and could once again be given the mandate to establish his kingdom. That's what happened in Daniel chapter 2. That establishment of the kingdom of God is the challenge which Christians have had ever since. And they have, once again, in this modern age, failed to live up to the task, even though the instructions for establishing and maintaining the kingdom of Yahweh are found right in the New Testament. That is right, the kingdom of Christ had been established when his people turned to Christianity and began governing themselves under biblical law, no matter how imperfectly. Under white world hegemony, laws reflecting Christian civility had been established everywhere white men were found. But now, as it says in Revelation chapter 17, because the children of Israel had joined themselves to the beast, we read, that God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree, and that we did, and give their kingdom under the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And this is where we stand today, joined to the beast and to the beasts in a society where those Christian laws are being constantly eradicated and replaced with Babylonian Jewish immorality. In its rawest, uncontrolled form, democracy is mob rule, and emotions and knee-jerk reactions have always ruled the mobs. But in a world of Jewish-created money and Jewish-controlled media, democracy is whatever the Jews 
can get away with when the majority doesn't have a clue and really doesn't care, except for one election every four years when people think they are going to vote themselves some sort of a savior, a god to deliver them from whatever woes they perceive. In that regard, I want to talk about Donald Trump and the Trump tards. Too many people, too many people on the right and especially too many identity Christians are looking for Donald Trump to be the next great savior, another Hitler, even a white messiah. If only Trump would win, everything will suddenly be good. In any event, such opinions of any politician only amount to idolatry, and Christians should never even be caught up in such nonsense. Donald Trump, to discuss him first. Donald Trump has been in bed with the devil throughout his entire life. His father left him a real estate empire in New York City, the land of two million Jews at that time, which Donald drove into the ground. But he was resurrected by wheeling and dealing in an almost exclusively Jewish industry, which is the casino industry. So now he's a billionaire, a man who made his fortune through the misfortune of others. And it is difficult to even imagine that Christians should look for deliverance from such a man. Trump's daughter, to give you a view of Trump's worldview, Trump's daughter, who is closely involved in the family business along with her brothers, has not only married a Jew, but has studied under a rabbi for several years and is proud, is a proud and actively practicing converted Jew. Jews, she's, she's twice fold the child of hell. How is she not twice fold the child of hell? Jews have worked on Trump's campaign. Jews like Samuel Nunberg and Michael Cohen. The Jewish Forward recently ran an article titled, Trump has the strongest Jewish ties of all GOP candidates. And they're right. Trump is in so deep with Jews, he could never climb out of that cesspool if he wanted to. There are too many heavy lead weights chained to his ankles. So if anyone thinks that Donald Trump is the answer to the Jewish question, they are living in a fantasy. But to be fair, on the other side of the coin, Jews and other progressives, both Democrat and Republican, have waged the battle against Trump, which has not been seen in any recent presidential primary. So we either have a legitimate candidate who thinks that some Jews are good and can work for good, which has happened very often in the past, or we have just another puppet being manipulated by Jews for the ultimate and complete demoralization of whatever is left of the Christian right. If anything, we hope that the result is this, that Christian whites finally realize that all politicians are whores for the same beast and that we have no political solution. Let's face the cold, hard facts. The Jews have been gradually tightening their grip on America ever since the Federal Reserve Act passed in 1913, and their control is nearly absolute today. Jews also control the economies in all of the major powers, in Britain, where it all started, in the EU, in China, in Russia. Yeah, the Jews control the economy in China, and the Jews control the economy in Russia, as well as 
nearly every smaller country. We have bombed or have threatened to bomb all the countries that were left that the Jewish banks did not control, Libya and Syria being recent examples. The Jews have waged a 1,500-year-old campaign for the control of Christendom and the world, and they are not going to concede that control at any ballot box. If anyone thinks that voting for the right political candidate is going to save us from satanic world rule, they are again living in a fantasy world. We have no political solution, and the world is not going to be taken back from Satan without much bloodshed. If Donald Trump wins the election and plays the political game like a good citizen who doesn't get assassinated is expected to do, the progressive agenda, it may be slowed a little, and he will be seen by the right as a quote-unquote good president. But nothing of the advances made by the progressive agenda these last hundred or so years will be reversed or undone. Rather, this may only happen because it may be more profitable to allow the goyim such a temporary reprieve by carrying on for a few more decades the pretense of the artificial left-right dichotomy, the Jew may continue to squeeze his pints of blood from the Christians. But by allowing this, they are only postponing the acknowledgement of the victory of world Talmudism by maintaining the facade of the triumph of liberalism in the West. So we hope Trump wins, if only to show white nationalists how stupid they are for having any hope in a man like Donald Trump or for having any hope in a man at all. But let's imagine that once Trump is elected, he actually overlooks his Jewish family connections. He overlooks the Jews on his staff. He overlooks the Jewish business connections. Let's imagine, in, in some sort of, I, I don't know, fantasy, that Trump is actually for real. Let's imagine that. Let's imagine that Trump betrays his Jewish friends and family and that he is really some closet anti-Semite fascist who plans on delivering America in the West from the clutches of world Jews. If he were to do that, he certainly could not do it with a pencil or with executive orders. If Trump were for real, the first thing he would do is take over the Fed by nationalizing the banks and not merely by auditing the Fed. The idea of auditing the Federal Reserve, that's a hoax in itself. That's a Ron Paul hoax, but it's a hoax nonetheless. The Federal Reserve is not federal, and it's not a reserve. The money supply does not matter. How much money is in existence doesn't matter. One hill of beans. Value-backed money, such as money based on a commodity of gold or silver, that doesn't matter either. The Jews control the price and control of, and, and flow of gold and silver. What matters is that people accept dollars in exchange for goods and services. If people are willing to accept dollars in exchange for goods and services, and if foreign nations trade for oil in dollars, 
then this charade can be carried on forever, as long as people perceive that the dollars are worth something. So if Trump leaves the Fed in the hands of the bankers, the bankers will always prevail and the economy will always be run by the Jews. So if Donald Trump tries anything, which is, which is actually geared towards the advantage of white and middle-class America, and he does not take over the Fed, the Jews will respond by tanking the economy. And if he manages to take over the Fed, the Jews will do their best to tank the economy from the outside through their control of all the foreign economies. Then there will be war. The EU will be turned against America by the Jew. Even Britain and Canada will be turned against America by the Jew. Russia and China will start destroying American installations overseas. Whatever is left of American shipping will be targeted. All of America's foreign holdings will be seized. You want a real president? That's the battle a real president is going to start. If Donald Trump is real, that's what he'll do his first months in office. The shelves at Walmart will be empty of anything useful within days. Then the Mexicans, the Negroes, the Chinese, and other foreigners in America will become a fifth column for the Jews, and they will be used to create havoc and to destroy white America. There's no taking America back. There's no making America great again. That's just bullshit. Without first eliminating the Jew. In the end, that means that America, as we know it, must be destroyed. Right. America, Delenda Est. There is no fixing anything without bloodshed. And fixing anything at all will indeed require much bloodshed. And to survive that, we don't need Donald Trump, but we do need Yahshua Christ. And only he can save us. As the revelation has prophesied, we shall have the status quo or we shall have bloodshed. But there is no in-between. Christ himself had warned us that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That was true of the Edomite Jews who took Judea by force in the first century BC, and it is just as true today. Donald Trump is very much a part of the beast system, which the children of Israel, who are also the whore of Babylon, have joined themselves to, and for which they are being punished. Donald Trump will not be our savior. Donald Trump has absolutely no understanding of what is really good for our race, or his daughter, would, he wouldn't be embracing his daughter after she married a Jew. And Donald Trump has no understanding of what really needs to be done in order to, quote unquote, fix things. But if he is for real, meaning that if he is sincere, about the things that he does profess, he may precipitate the culmination of our punishment and things will get much worse than they are now. If he is just another politician, he will fail to follow through on any of his promises. He will compromise with and appease both sides and we will have many more years of the status quo. Continuing with Cliff Nemeheiser's critical notes of Bertrand Compare's essay, the kingdom of heaven or in heaven. Clifton says the other passage Compare cited for which I would like to comment is Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 50. The following is part of what I wrote in a brochure entitled, Was Christ Politically Correct? We will now determine 
just what's biblical and what's not. For this, we will go to Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 50, which read, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world that angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them, all the goats, into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. From here, Clifton finishes his note by demonstrating from W.E. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words that the word for kind in this passage is the Greek word genos and that the word genos means race. Then Clifton offers the passage once again from this improved perspective, and he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea of people and gathered of every race, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good race, the good racial kind, into vessels. That would be the white children of Israel, the Adamic race, but cast the bad racial kind away. That would be about everybody else, because the world is only divided into sheep and goats. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked races from among the just race, and shall cast them, the bad racial kind, into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The kingdom of heaven is here and now, and it consists of only good fish. The bad fish, however, are all of the non-white races, as well as the Jewish tares hidden among the white wheat. In order to establish the rule of our God, all of these aliens and mongrels must be distinguished, removed, and destroyed in the fires of hell. Interestingly, a friend did point out that Trump did seem to be causing division between these two very groups. But he also has a lot of support from so-called minorities which might lead people astray into the idea that could, there could possibly be a good Jew or a good nigger. To hope for a Trump victory in order to maintain the status quo is only to hope that it is not our generation which must live up to this Christian responsibility. Voting for Trump, we are voting for compromise and we are voting for appeasement. Doing this, we continue to defer the kingdom of God for the sake of the children of the devil. But if Trump is real, there will be war. Christ did not tell his apostles to wait for a good Roman emperor to convert or to try to manipulate their own way into Roman rulership and change things for the better through legislation. Rather, in Daniel, it is written that the kingdom of heaven would break in pieces and consume all other worldly kingdoms, and that too was done in a series of great battles. The rest of the revelation is no different, and the battle ahead is even greater. It is our obligation to prepare ourselves and our people for it now. That cannot be done at the ballot box. We are not going to vote ourselves salvation. When whites obey Christ, the way is much easier. 
and the kingdom of Yahweh materializes. The crooked paths are made straight. The crooked plains are made level. When whites turn their back on their God, they are punished with tyranny and will be punished much further until they return to Christ. For all of these reasons and more, identity Christians should not be promoting the prospect of hope in a man, and especially in a politician like Donald Trump, an old New York whore. They should not be making Trump cards of themselves. Rather, identity Christians should be warning their fellows that there is no hope in a man, and that there is a great struggle ahead of us if justice is to prevail and if our race is to survive. We defer it or we urge to face it. For that, we will continue this discussion with Brother Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hell Christ, brother. Hell Christ. My throat is killing me. Hell Christ. <laughs> I want to um, start out with um, pointing the listeners to verse 35 of Daniel 2, where it talks about the stone that came from the mountain that smashed the feet of the um, man or whatever in the uh, vision, in the night vision. That stone that became a great mountain. In verse 45 of chapter 2 of Daniel, it says that stone was cut out of the mountain that was made without hands. That stone... (laughs) that became a mountain, that came from a mountain that was not made with hands, is representative of us coming from a mountain, Holy Spirit-driven. That mountain not made with hands. In other words, the mountain created by Yahweh God. In the scripture, mountains represent kingdoms or governments. Christian identity has been known as the kingdom message, and the word kingdom means government. So when we say the kingdom of God, we say the government of God. We're supposed to, as Christians, we are ambassadors of this government of God, this kingdom of God. We're supposed to be going out campaigning for Yeshua Christ. And for his laws, not for a political status system of man and their so-called laws that they make. There's only one law, and it's God's law. There's only one lawgiver, and that is Yahweh. Well, absolutely, and 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 that's all the Christians should have their sights set on, and and. That every Donald Trump is just an idol that that becomes a roadblock down a path to the kingdom of heaven. Do, Donald Trump, I've done, um, I've done, I've got a web page on my website <laughs> titled "The Don Is a Chump," and in there I I give uh, qu- quite a bit of links to videos and other pay, uh, web pages showing the type of man, the, the fruits that this tree called Donald Trump bears. And it's amazing to me 
I can understand the secular, stiff-necked Israelites who don't want to recognize Yahweh as their God, so they reject Christian identity and call the Bible a Jewish book and etc. I can understand that they're going to be wrapped up in their Babylonian mindset, and white nationalists by very definition are statists. So I get their idolatry because that's what statism is, idolatry. I get that they are out politicking for Donald Trump. I get that. What I don't understand is professing identity Christians that I've seen on the internet politicking for Donald Trump. When Donald Trump shows no Christian attributes or behaviors or fruits whatsoever, on, in my pay, on my page, um, the Don is a chump on my website, I have a link there to a video that someone did a documentary about Mini Scotland, M-E-N-I-E. And in that documentary, if someone will spend, you know, if they're so big into Trump, surely they can spend 90 minutes watching a documentary and they can see where this, this capitalist dog stole the land or bullied people who had land that he wanted for his golf course. Donald Trump is a vicious capitalist dog. He has no mercy. He has – I consider him – I believe he's a reprobate. I believe he's a sociopath, a narcissistic sociopath. He constantly changes his policies. He's for gun control. He's not for gun control. He's for abortion. He's not for abortion. He has supported the Clintons. He supported Obama financially. So he, he's done all these things, but now magically he's a conservative, and he's going to save the white race. I'm supposed to believe that. Now – the people that support him, the, the white nationalists, the identity Christians that support Donald Trump, they're, they're all about, well, he's going to build a wall. He's going to build a wall. No, he, he's not going to build a wall. Not only is his, his company or is his many companies uh, hire people from other countries and, and work for them to have their visas and, and pull strings, he, he said in a, in a July – uh, CNN July 2015 interview that he would work if he was president for an expediated process to make Mexicans and others the good ones he said uh, become citizens here. He is a true capitalist. He's not a racist in any sense of the word. He's not a nationalist in any sense of the word. He is simply a capitalist in every sense of the word. I would like to remind those identity Christians that are listening to this, we're going to listen to the recording of it, that Canaanite comes from the Hebrew Kenite, which means merchant. The ancient Canaanites and their religions, their materialistic religions, were all tied into what we call capitalism today. Everything is materialistic. Everything is what they can do, what they can see. They always looked back then, the ancient Canaanites and the ancient Babylonians and pagans, they always looked to their high priests to lead them and to, and to tell them what to do, to create their laws for them. Whereas the Israelites were different even from the other Ad Adamites, the other whites. They had Yahweh's law. They didn't try to elect someone to make law. Now, when 
they rejected Yahweh to being their king, or Christ being their king, Yahweh gave them a chief judge we call a king. But he was a judge, and he was only to judge according to Yahweh's moral law. He was not even to make law. And before that, during the period of the judges, the judges judged according to Yahweh's law. They didn't work well. They weren't supposed to make law. We have all the law we need. We don't need any president, senator, congressman, or any of that. What we Christians are supposed to be doing instead of running around trying to politic for some politician to make uh, to become elected so they can make laws that we want, we should only be politicking for God's law, period. Well, well it's idolatry. We, we have a system that everybody perceives to be broken that nobody seems to be able to fix, and people vote every four years for someone – who says that he has ways to fix it and can make laws. If only these laws would be passed, that the system would run better and it would cure everybody's ills. And, and the one that, per, that appeases the most voters with that line of bullshit is the one that wins. Now, we don't really know if the one that wins is the one that gets the most votes because it's not the people that, that, that actually vote that decide the elections, but the people that count the votes, that's a different story entirely that we won't even get into tonight. But the bottom line is this, that if every four years somebody chooses a new idol whose laws are going to fix things, that's idolatry. That's all that is, is idolatry. That is not Christianity. That is why our people have been punished for all these centuries, because... They choose idolatry over Yahweh. Well, I say that, you know, people say, well, if you don't believe in voting or the Constitution or the Republic or whatever, blah, 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 then, you know, you, you know, you're a traitor to the country. Well, I say that you're being treasonous to the kingdom of Yahweh God. If you are wrapped up in a Babylonian system, you point out in your book Christ Reich, which I strongly suggest every Christian read. You point out on page 178 that democracy, the idea of democracy, goes back even further than from ancient Greece, but to Babylon, and it was a Babylonian idea. And that's what I was getting at when I was talking about the paganism that's on page 178 of Christ, right, that you, that you uh, state that. Well, well, right. The ancient, the, the ancient Babylonians, the Canaanites, the pagan, the pagan whites, and of course the Canaanites, the ancient, the ancestors of today's Jews, they both were wrapped up in these ideas, these democratic ideas. Democracy is simply 51% of someone, at least 51%, can tell 49% what to do when we aren't supposed to be ruling over one another. We are supposed to be serving one another and helping one another. And of course, if there is a white that does wrong, they steal or they do something, then there is a law of Yahweh that that shows us what to do about that. But other than that, we don't need any, any – somebody would tell me, well, who are you going to vote for? Why would I vote for someone to do what? Well, we need them to make these laws. Well, what laws do I need made? I can't think of a law I need made. When someone tells me they, you know, they want to see Trump – and they're supposed to be racially awake. They're a white nationalist, Christian identist. 
they want to see Trump president. I asked them, you know, why? Now, I personally, I'm like you, Bill. I hope that Donald Trump does become president because I need the entertainment. But I'm telling you, I have no doubt in my mind, he will not do anything he's promised. Even his wall project is not, if he becomes president, would not even come to fruition. Well, well, right. There's only three choices. He, he, he compromises from the very beginning and, and double crosses everybody on all his promises or right. he gets assassinated or we have war. There's no other there's no other choice in the Trump presidency. He said that he was being audited, that he gets audited uh, on a regular basis. The IRS you know, audits him, what have you. And he made a statement. And I'm sorry, I didn't write down my source for this, but I heard him. The, the video is on YouTube. Of the interview, and he said that he, he did. He this is his a quote because I'm a Christian. End quote is the reason why he gets audited. That's the first time I've heard that jackass ever say he was a Christian. Now maybe he said it other times, but all this my time of researching him and trying to and to try to follow him and, and learn about him. That's the first time I've ever heard him say that. If he said Christian, uh, he and it was be- only he only did that. If you remember, um, it wasn't too long ago that a lot of these so-called these so-called you know conservative Judeo-Christian uh, Tea Party type groups, th- that type of th- sort of thing, they were they were getting heavily audited. The IRS was hitting them and, and, and harassing them and things, and so he used that as a sly way. But he was never tied to any Tea Party or conservative movement. He's never claimed to be a Christian. Uh, uh, like that until that interview that I know of, he's never been a, he was not, he's not been audited by the IRS because he's a Christian, but he, that's something he pulls because he's a true sociopath. He always has an answer. You know, it's amazing. People like him because he tells it like it is. Well, Bill, you know me personally. We live in the same county. If, if, if that was a, you know, if that, if that's a, you know, something that, that gets you elected to president, then maybe people should vote for me because I tell it like it is all the time. <laughs> Um, sometimes it gets me in trouble, but I, I tell I tell people how it is. He he always has an answer, and if you've ever had to deal with psychopaths and sociopaths and antisocial personalities, they always have an answer for everything they do, every lie they tell, every change of mind they have, the, every flip flop. You talk about a double-minded man. That's Donald Trump. You can't. He's like trying to nail Jello to the wall. You can't really find out what he really believes. He'll say one thing one time and say something else totally different. Matter of fact, his partner in crime, Alex Jones. I've watched video after video of, of the past year or so of Alex Jones, and in one moment Alex Jones is for Donald Trump, the next minute he's against Donald Trump. Oh, he's controlled opposition. So you kind of wonder what's really going on here in the first place. The point of this podcast is simply to point out to identity Christians and those that are looking into identity Christianity is to point out that Christians are only supposed to be focusing on the moral laws of of Yahweh God and politicking for the kingdom or government of God. And we have the the world, the Babylonian – the Bible – there's no democracy in the Bible. There's no elections in the Bible. Yeah, they could choose some people out, but Yahweh appoints your leaders. You don't even get to do that. Yahweh writes your own laws, and he appoints your leaders. That's how it is, Israelites. That's how it is, white race. That's how it is, Christians. God, Yahweh God, picks our leaders. Yahweh God has written our law.
We don't get to do any of that, but obey it. Follow our leaders as long as they're doing right and obey God's laws. And our leaders aren't to make law, by the way. They are to lead and to lead by example. Well, well, when people perceive that their laws, righteous laws, come from their God, then those laws are immutable. Well, when your laws, your rights, your privileges, your responsibilities are handed down by God, no man can change them for you or dictate to you differently. And to do so is idolatry. Right. Well, Psalms, one, uh, Psalms 19, 7 through 11, it tells us God is perfect. Isaiah 33, 22 says God is our law. Matter of fact, people talk about the constitutional republic then and how you have the three branches of government, the executive, the judicial, and the legislative. Isaiah 33, 22 tells me that God is my legislator, my judge, and he, fi- he fills the executive branch or the presidential branch. So Yahweh for president. James 4.12 also tells us there's only one lawgiver. James 1.25 says the perfect speaks of the perfect law of liberty and freedom. If, if you, I believe in liberty and freedom. I love, I, I love the concept so much I have liberty and freedom tattooed on me, the words. There is true freedom and liberty only in God's law. And there is only one potentate or ruler, and that's in 1 Timothy 6.15 – that potentate, that ruler, is the king of kings himself, Yeshua the Christ, Yahweh our God. There, there is no other I, – I don't look to another man to make law. I don't need any law made. I've, I've got the perfect law right here. It's in the scripture. It's in our hearts. We know what's right or wrong. Well, with all of its um, – for, for all of the piety of the men involved, for all of the Christian principles it was based on, the, the Constitution failed because they esteemed that men should make law. And, and that was one reason why it failed and did not have, because of that, it did not have the, the, the um, devices built into it so that our people could defend themselves from what we've suffered these last hundred years. So, so it, it's well, sure, a failure. There, there, we have to understand that the American experiment it, it has failed to establish the kingdom of heaven and Christians should seek the kingdom of heaven. They shouldn't seek to fix something that that's only going to fail again. We have to correct. We have to look at the constitution, look at the history and in other situations like in Europe and, and in the past and, 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 and before that uh, and all these type, type of things, we have to look, you know, King Alfred, all these, these, well-meaning men of our of our ancestry of our people, we have to look back at Adolf Hitler. We have to look at these people and take. The, I believe a lot of them were well-meaning, had good principle, meant well. But we have to say, okay, we've learned from our ancestors. This is not about urinating on you know our, our, our ancestry and just totally throwing out the baby with the bathwater and just hating our ancestors. And what they tried to do, we just have to learn from their mistakes, see it as well-meaning, and see it as a, a bigger picture as the maturing of the body of our race. As like, um, as we grow older in life, 
we begin to look back at ourselves when we were younger in our 20s and our 30s, whatever, and we see – or in our teenage years, and we see how we matured and grew, and we wouldn't do things that we did, but it helped develop who we are. That's the way we should look at our ancestors and our development, and we can look back at, through history books and historical understandings. And appreciate what these men were trying to do with the Constitution or, or, or the Magna Carta or, or uh, National Socialism in, in Germany or, or the different times and periods that, that had good points and see a bigger picture as we mature, as we grow cl- up and as we grow closer to God as a race, as a people. And that's going to happen. This is going to, there's going to be some growing pains. You know, this country's had what, 240 years to get it right. And never once, never once has anything gotten any better. And it would seem like we would eventually say, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results every time. And when we look even in our own lifetime, the voting sessions, every two years and the four years, depending on who's being voted, what office, and we see that things have never gotten any better in our lifetime, much less we look back at our parents and, and the grandparents' generations. Things always progressively got worse and worse. So what is it that we're doing wrong? Well, let's just – we are – the whole political system is wrong. The status political system, the constitutional republic, it's a democracy. I love how people like to take the constitution and point to Article 4, Section 4. That the Constitution guarantees us a republic, and nowhere in the Constitution is the word democracy and all this. Wait a minute. That is so disingenuous. That is so wrong and deceptive to say or even believe. You deceive yourself even. Those people that, that will say, will say, well, you know, this is not, not, not a democracy. It's a republic. How are you, a republic simply means representatives. How are they elected? Through a democratic pop, uh, process, through a majority vote process. Nowhere. In the holy scriptures of Yahweh from Genesis to Revelation, is there such a process? Nowhere. Yahweh appointed Moses. Yahweh appoints who he will. To lead. It, it can be argued that the and, – and it's it's explained in, in um, papers on my website that – Independent communities, people living in independent communities chose their leaders for their own particular communities. There's nowhere where national leaders are chosen in scripture. There's nowhere where presidents or Caesars or, 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 or um, senators are, are chosen in scripture. So, so that's yes, what's true. But people- yes, what you're talking about is a is a clan or a family head, just like with the tribes of Israel when they had their their tribal leaders, whatever representatives that would go there. There's your republic. There's representatives there. Yes, they did do that. You can do that in this country. Um, militia leaders early in the early period of this country, uh, militia leaders could be voted on or elected. Um, the Confederate uh, leaders early in the Confederacy a lot of times were be elected. That you can do something like that. That is that is absolutely fine, and it's not unscriptural at all. But again, we're talking about leaders, and when we're talking about national leaders or major leaders, Yahweh has to point them. Well, we're actually has talking to, about rulers, and Yahweh right. should appoint them. Right, right, and even those 
those rulers, if you will, they are not allowed to make law. Well, well, the blueprint, the bottom line is that the blueprint for the kingdom of God is in the New Testament. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. It, it's in the epistles of the apostles. It's in the book of Acts. What we have a, um, a, a loose federation of local communities that do not rule over one another, that are self-governed and use the law of God as their constitution. And, and that should be the extent of the godly government, which we should expect. It's very close to the government that's found in the book of Judges. And Christ is king, and we have no other king. And Yahweh makes laws, and we have no other lawmaker. And, and I totally agree. To, for the Christian to advocate anything aside from that in this day and age, to attempt to repair this broken American republic, to attempt to fix the government, to attempt to um, campaign for, for who they think might be a, a good leader, even though the man is anything but godly and, and has no clue of what a godly leader should actually be. Well, that's idolatry. It's idolatry. Unless we're looking forward to the kingdom of Christ and acting in a way coherent with that the government of Christ, then we're engaging in idolatry. Right, which is treason against the kingdom of God. Absolutely. On page 148 of, of your book, Christ Right, you wrote, the children of Yahweh should not care for the beast. And of course, what you're speaking of here is the government systems, but rather they should long for the return of Yahshua Christ and the final restoration into his kingdom, ruining the day when their ancestors sought an earthly king. And in, of course, you're referring to Samuel, the eighth chapter, where the Israelites, after about 400 years of a judge's period, a non-ruler period, they wanted a, a king. And of course, that king was only to be one major national judge and to only judge according to Yahweh's law. He couldn't make law. So the whole idea, the whole concept of, of the whole status political system of men making law is just bizarre to me. It always has been. You and I discussed a lot of this in, in a podcast that you had me a guest on uh, titled – I think you titled it Christian Governance, and, and, and I, we spoke of this, and I talked about this uh, – you know what, what? What God's the kingdom of God is, as opposed, or the government of God, as opposed to government systems of men. And um, so, if people want to listen to that, they can. Um, I, I want to point out some things about some other things about Trump. The liberals, uh, a lot of the white nationalist, conservative types, white nationalist types, and some identity Christians who should know better <laughs> that support Trump. They are they are enthralled with the idea that the liberals absolutely hate Trump and trying to tie Trump in with, you know, he's a racist and there's there's memes on the Internet of, you know, Trump, uh, you know, as Hitler or with a swastika or, you know, he's a Klansman, you know, because David Duke wouldn't disavow him or, or he I'm sorry, he wouldn't disavow David Duke. And he made this stupid comment. He didn't know anything. Uh, Trump made the stupid comment. He didn't know anything about the Ku Klux Klan or David Duke. And we all know that's bullshit. And it just makes me wonder almost if Donald Trump is not, do you use one of your favorite terms, Bill, a clown in the circus and that he is controlled opposition. If I want to get into his conspiracy theory here, 
because for him to actually say he didn't know anything about David Duke, everybody knows who David Duke is, and he didn't know anything much about the Ku Klux Klan. For him to actually – and I've seen the video of him doing, uh, saying that in the interview. For him to say that, it's just like, wait, wait a minute, dude. But again, he is a narcissistic sociopath in my estimation, and uh, you know, maybe he believes his own bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> it, it sometimes seems to me that he's reading the, the pages of websites like InfoWars and the Daily Stormer and reacting to them in some of his speeches. It, it really does. But my, my position on Trump is what I've laid out, that if he actually did have the things that he said he would do, he'll be assassinated or we will have war. So that's what people have to understand. That's what identity Christians should understand, that if any real leader stood up and attempted to do the things that Trump said, which is what would be required of a real leader, that we would have total war. And that might precipitate the ushering in of the fall of Babylon and the kingdom of God. And that would be fine. That would be fine. But. If Donald Trump goes in and, and plays the politician and compromises, then why were we seeking? We shouldn't have been seeking um, after a man in the first place. So, so right. we have yet another letdown and these same people are going to wait for their next clown that they could imagine to be a savior. And, and that's the game, and, and that's the cycle our people are locked in. This has been going on since the days of um, Richard Nixon and Lyndon Johnson. It, it's been going on probably before that. How, how about um, Nixon and Kennedy? How about Hoover and Roosevelt? This same idea of a, of a, of a savior in office has been going on for, for 100 years or longer. And, and – we we have to we identity Christians should know better than to get caught up in in that idolatrous cycle. Right, it is idolatry. Of course, statism is idolatry. We should be we should be seeking a a, a theocracy and, and and not a a um another statist system. That, but let me. You know, you you talk about you've mentioned it a couple times now about well, you know, if 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 Trump were to do the stuff he promised or promises, whatever, if he became president, and it started a war, or whatever, and he might even got him, you know, assassinated or something. Even if he did do that, the the there are people, there are white nationalists and such that are saying that they they are hoping that that's what's going to happen. That he would just actually start something. They're not necessarily believing that he's racially awake or anything, but that he would do just enough to tick off the Jew and the international banker and the international banker and the Jew and the media that is controlled by them, etc. would use their non-white minions and drones and orcs <laughs> to uh, to start a race war and, and, and things begin, right? Armageddon begins, if you will. Um I don't believe that, that scenario at all. No, I don't I, believe the scenario. I had to lay it out there just in case Trump kept his promises. If Trump kept his promises, I want that these white nationalists and identity Christians to understand what they what they are going to face if Trump kept those promises. I know they're not, he's not going to keep them. I know he's going to get in. Congress is going to tie his hands. He's going to be a compromiser, and he ain't going to get a damn thing done. 
like none of them get anything done. And, and, and then all the white nationalists are going to forget how they were supporting Trump and how they said Trump this and Trump that. They're going to want to forget that. But they'll support the next moron that comes along. Of course they will because they, they, they fill the definition. The American voters, I, I should say, people that believe in statism, the, the Babylonian Canaanite religion of statism, they are insane. And they do the same thing over and over, expecting different results every election cycle. That's and, and what it is. The same thing every time. And it's Bill, just you I did a, one of my one of my favorite uh, podcasts and writings you've done is Camp of the Saints. You're you're one on the Camp of the Saints. And I did a, a video titled Camp of the Saints and I put uh, a link to your podcast on it. Um which of course is from Revelation 29 and and that fiction book based on that verse. Things have to things have to get bad. They have to get horrible for white Israelite Adamic people to begin to drop to their knees and realize that there's no political solution. There's no state of solution at all. Statism is no solution. There is only the government of God and His law. We were created. To worship, obey, and serve our God and to bring him glory. That's what our race was created for. And we will fulfill that. It doesn't matter how bad dad has to chastise us and spank us and and put us on restriction and, and all of that. We will obey. He, Yahweh, our father, will punish us and allow the enemy to surround us, to surround the camp. And we see it more and more, as you've brought you've brought this out. We see this more and more with all the non-whites born in all the white Israelite countries. This, to me, proves the scripture right there. This is why I can't understand any white nationalists. How everywhere, white nationalists are wringing their hands all over this this, this planet. And on websites and everything about all the Muslims and, and you know here in America it was the Mexicans now the Muslims, but the, the Arabs Muslims actually we should say Arabs. These Arabs, these non-whites, pouring into all these countries, being strategically put in country, countries. I mean, if they have to boat them to Australia, that's what they do. You know, if they have to ship them forever, you know, miles and miles into uh, Sweden or whatever, Switzerland, wherever. They put them there. This is the, this is the dragon race, Satan, the Antichrist race, who controls the immigration policies of all these white countries, and pouring in the flood coming out of the mouth of the dragon, like Wesley Swift spoke of, you've spoke of, I have, and others. This is proving the scripture. This is proving Yahweh is our God, and the Bible is our book. Well, absolutely. And this, 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 and so they can scream out and they can try to outvote and they can cuss you and I out and saying, oh, you know, y'all should be voting for Trump. At least try. I had a, an identity person tell me on Facebook, well, you know, isn't he at least better because he's white? What? He's a white capitalist and capitalism is Judaism. I mean, they say, they say, they say communism is Judaism. Well, so is capitalism. So he's practicing Judaism just like his damn daughter is. And this guy, what has he done for the white race? Again, people should watch the documentary on um, – I've got it linked on my, on my webpage. But 
the documentary about Mean Scotland, what he did there to those people and watch them people get interviewed, what he did, those landowners, for his damn golf course. This man is ruthless. He lied to the media in, in, there in Scotland and here in America. He lied on those people. These are just homeowners, regular folks, man. He lied on these people. He is an attack dog for the Jewish religion of capitalism. He's ruthless. When he says make America great again, does he say make it white again? Is he saying make it Christian again? No. He's speaking of capitalistic, um, I mean Canaanite religion. That's what he's speaking of. Capitalism is a Canaanite merchant religion. It's a Babylonian paganistic system. That, that's the whole fall of Babylon, great, the destruction that's of the right. system. Exactly. I don't know why Christians that even the, the the dullest Christians can't just open their Bible and see that. Right, and he's a he's a Zionist from hell. He said he would make the he he believes you know nine eleven was done exactly as the government says. He says you know he would wage war on ISIS and blah, he would protect Israel. He's there's many videos of him saying that he would protect Israel. And all of the, the the rogue state of Israel, not the white race Israel, okay, the false Israel, that rogue wow. state over there, he, the Zionistic state. He, he 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 he's he's I mean he's no different than any of the other trash. He's no different than Obama. When I was asked that, wouldn't he be? Wouldn't it at least be better because there's a white man, a white race traitor? No, I'd rather have a mongrel like Obama in there. Well, there's At least no pretense. There's no pretense, right? And the pretense, the only people that are pretending or fooling themselves is the white nationalists and Christian identists that want to vote for the chump, for Trump. Right. Trump tards. Look, look Ryan, I, I appreciate you. Don't leave. Don't hang out. Don't go yet. But I, I'm at the home. Melissa and I are at the home of um, our dear friends, Bruce and Nancy Bond in North Georgia. And I think Bruce is... Uh, has a few things to say that we're going to let him say. Uh, hey, 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 Brian, how you doing, brother? Hell Christ, brother. Yeah, and, and all of you other wonderful people out here. Now, I, I don't have to add much. I just want to simply point out what the obvious of what we've uh, put together this evening is the fact that uh, Donald Trump is an abject failure in everything that he has done. Here's a man who's born with a silver spoon in a horseshoe firmly lodged in his rectum he has failed countless times over and over it doesn't matter in his business ventures in his uh his his family life uh, uh, this is here's a man who is all his life has has sought trophy wives uh it's all about pr it's all about image he has failed countless times uh he, uh, whether it be mortgage businesses that he's created, uh, whether it be um, uh, the casinos of all things, and, and and here this man has made a fortune off of casinos, and we all know the misery that that brings about, you know. And 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 despite the fact that he's a billionaire, he is just absolute is a total failure in every aspect of life. And in and, and any and any aspect that you look at it and um, and, and his foreign policy, it's all about uh, the beast system. It's all about the mercantile system. It's all about the Jew. It's all about 
Um, well, you know, he just simply is is nothing more than just um, uh, a narcissistic um, um, failure. I mean, he just he he has no uh, he he even even in his um, foreign policy with the Middle East, he he says that. Um, with the wars we pay over there, we, we're not stealing anything from the Iraqis. We're, we are just simply reversing, reimbursing ourselves for his, 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 his whole concept and his whole idea of, um, of, um, of, of, of business and life. It all has to do with, with, uh, just to supporting, uh, uh, the, 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 this debt usury system that has uh, that, that's made him a fortune and has created misery for all of our folks. So, okay. Well, thank you, Bruce. I, I don't know how to respond. I mean, it's all true. Well, I mean, this man simply is not presidential timber in any stretch of the imagination. Well, and, well no, uh, but we haven't had a president that's been presidential timber. Well, we certainly haven't. You know, and, and Thomas Jefferson said that we should have a revolution every 20 years. And I think it, that sounds uh, absurd, but when you really think about it, it's absolutely true because that's all it takes is one generation, one generation, and and, and, and mostly because we uh, simply uh, are, are, are failures ourselves in, in, in uh, teaching our children, bringing our children up in the way that uh, um, um, that we should carry ourselves, and 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 certainly this is a, a, a lot of this that we, you know, we we want to bitch and moan that, uh, and, and and the problem is for the last eighty years we've had we've had uh, hope and change, hope and change, and every four years we get the change that we ask for and it's always a degradation and that's just simply by virtue of the fact that we just simply have have, have excluded god from our lives we don't we simply don't understand uh, the importance of, of 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 uh putting god first and as bill has said many many times and and others um there are no political solutions and those who would have faith in someone uh of of this man called trump who we we all should it should be abundantly clear to all of us especially in ci that that he has absolutely nothing to offer us in so in creating a solution for the problems that we have Well, thank you, Bruce. Ryan, do you have any closing words? Well, I just want to just reiterate that our people should, Christians should have faith in Yahweh, in his law, and his system. People saying, well, what should we do now until Christ comes? Well, we should have faith in his system and live his system. And we don't have time for the world's system or Babylon's system. We should have faith in Yahweh and in what we believe, his law and his way, and not worry about these man-made-up carnal ways. Right. All, all identity Christians should be on a constant campaign for Christ, 
and disconnected from all the campaigns of men. Exactly. They shouldn't even care who's running. They shouldn't even pay any attention to debate selection. We should be on a constant campaign for Christ. That is the commission that we have from Christ. Exactly. Thank you for being here. Praise Yahweh. Thank you for having me.